Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 226. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by an amazing member of the Blueprint Live Online MCAT course instructor crew. This week, we're continuing with Adam Breaking down full length one bio biochem discrete section. One of the discretes in that section. We're going to break those down for you here on the MCAT podcast. If you haven't checked out the new live online course from Blueprint MCAT, you should go do that. We had a great conversation last week with Hunter all about MCAT self-study or prep course, and really helping you decide what you should do and what is right for you. Not everyone needs a course. And at the end of the day, the ultimate decision is yours to figure out what you need for your personal likings and not likings or whatever whatever that is. So uh, go check out last week's MCAT podcast if you haven't done that yet. That's MCAT podcast session number 225. Again, this week, we're jumping into full-length one, bio-biochem, our first discrete, or our last, actually, discrete passage here for bio-biochem. Adam, back for another MCAT podcast. We're, we're done with passages for bio-biochem, <laughs> moving on to discretes. Uh, thankful. La- thankful. Last week's episode, I did well with the discretes. So hopefully, we continue that trend. Uh, highly <laughs> doubtful, but but ho- I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful that we continue that trend. So from a mindset, again, I love talking about mindset with all the different instructors from Blueprint Live Online. Uh, from a mindset standpoint, you finish a passage are, are you taking that three-second kumbaya break? What What are you doing knowing that your next path is into discretes? Yeah, so sort of the difference between going from uh, either passage to passage or discrete to passage is that you're not, you don't have to worry about, um, you know, moving like efficiently through a pretty dense um, passage. So with discretes, I don't, I, I still do take my kumbaya, but it's not as much, um, all right, prepare for what is coming as much as it is, don't worry about what just happened. Like maybe the passage didn't go great. Um, you know, so I'm still taking my kumbaya, but it's less preparatory and more, um, you know, sort of keeping my, uh, my mindset uh, steady and making sure that I'm not worried about like anything that went wrong so far. Nice. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in to our, our discreets here. I'll start for fun with, 
question 57, which of the following do not have proteins with a nuclear localization signal? And immediately I kind of sigh and I'm sad because it's a Roman numeral question. Uh, Roman numeral one, E. coli. Roman numeral two, homo sapiens. Uh, Roman numeral three, fungi. And Roman numeral four, archaea. Archaea? Um, no idea what that is, but uh, so which of the following do not have proteins with a nuclear localization signal? So homo like homo, what's up with homo sapiens here? Obviously, answer choice two, if you're watching this, is not in any of the answer choices. So um, apparently they do have proteins with nuclear localization rates. <laughs> Um, <laughs> screw you, test writer, for like throwing in this <laughs> random thing. So, E. coli. Answer choice A. One of the strategies I've learned over the the period, and let me know if you kind of agree with this, is just for Roman numerals, which answer choice shows up most commonly? Start mm-hmm. there. And E. coli. Mm-hmm. Answer choice one is the most common. Yep. So, if if it does not have proteins with a nuclear localization signal, then it has to be answer choice B. But if it does, then we have to go through the rest. Well, Um, actually, the important thing there is that since this is a not question, if it does have, um, if it does have proteins with nuclear localization, that's what we would be able to say is answer option B, because this is sort of like a negation question here. Like you're saying, so, so it's only answer option or Roman numeral one is only going to show up if it does not have proteins with that signal. Uh, yes. I think I understand what you're saying. I, <laughs> I thought that's what I said. Uh, so if E. coli does not have proteins with nuclear localization signals, we have to... We 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 have to not. I I am super confused about what you're saying now. <laughs> if um if we decide that E. coli does not have proteins with this signal, yeah, then it could still be A, C, or D. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. We're saying the same thing differently. Yes. Potentially. Okay. Sorry. All right. Um. So the first problem is I have no idea what nuclear localization <laughs> signals are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the second thing is, well, protein. So what has proteins? Does E. coli have proteins? Um, or is it just this bacteria, um, that doesn't have proteins inside of it? Obviously my guess is that it would have to have proteins, uh, to kind of be made there. Um, maybe, but I don't know. So that's where I'm lost. I'm lost at the very beginning because, number one, I have no idea what nuclear localization signals are and mm-hmm. whether or not E. coli has proteins or not. That's just, like, that seems silly. But cells have to have proteins in them to kind of be there. So that that's, uh, yeah, neither here nor there. So how would you answer this? So I'm looking at this. Uh, it's definitely important to uh, know what a nuclear localization signal is. But if you're coming at this question and you don't, Maybe you, you start to use context clues. Like you said, so none of these answer options have Roman numeral two in them. 
um, and we know what Homo sapiens are, um, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and so knowing what Homo sapiens are, we know that Homo sapiens do have a nuclear localization signal. Mm. So that's sort of just a little piece of like detective work that we can start with uh, to sort of set us on the right track. So maybe trying to distinguish between Homo sapiens and uh, any of these other Roman numerals, like what are the categories that Homo sapiens fall in? Mm. Um, and, you know, how does that differ from and maybe any of these other um, types of organisms? Yeah. So obviously fungus is a little bit different than a Homo sapien. E. coli is bacteria kind of is with us and lives with us and does bad things to us. Uh, I have no idea what the Roman numeral four is. Archaea, mm -hmm. Archaea. I don't know what that is. Um, Archaea. I think that's a pronunciation. Yeah. But it looks fancy. So um I I don't know if that helps. Um that fungus is like different and different enough to just say it's B and move on. So uh if you have no idea, good you know, decent uh strategy is just like trying to find something different. Um and like heading with it. So in this case, uh, nuclear localization signal, this is like a hint um, that whichever, like what, if you don't have proteins with a nuclear localization signal, then you don't have a nucleus. So we're looking for which Roman numerals or which type of organisms are not going to have a nucleus. Mm. And so then the distinction is um, if you have this, this you know, outside information, prokaryotes are not going to have nuclei whereas eukaryotes will. So really this question um, is which of the following are prokaryotes? Because it's asking us which of the following don't have a nucleus. Um, and so from there, you know, this is just recognition. Uh, we're saying which ones are prokaryotes, aka which don't have a nuclei. Um, e. coli, I know, is a bacteria, so that's a prokaryote. Okay, so one has to be in my answer. Uh, homo, sapi homo sapiens, that's a eukaryote. Okay, I shouldn't see two. Um, fungi, that's, uh, even though it is quite a bit different from ho Homo sapiens, they are also eukaryotes. So fungi are also going to have nuclei. So we shouldn't see uh, answer option three in there. And then archaea, um, also a prokaryote. And so not having a nucleus. Um, so we should see four. And so we look into our answer options. We see only C has one and four only. And so... We know it's C. And and I should have gone to Old Faithful, when in doubt, choose C and move on. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been right, darn it. Definitely. So often. <laughs> it's it's funny. I my brain just being so far removed from this, and it's it's good to remember this. My mm -hmm. brain almost never goes back to prokaryote, eukaryote in yeah. these questions. And it's, it comes up so much that it's, it's such a, like, if a student just took a split second to go, is there a prokaryote, eukaryote difference here? And mm -hmm. if, if there is, then, ooh, that's probably, I'm going down the right path. And yeah. I just always forget to go there. Yeah. So. Yeah. It can be so foreign because, uh, you know, especially if you're so removed from sort of just this like nitty gritty content stuff, uh, remembering how how we, you know, divide organisms at like sort of like a basic level, like prokaryote, eukaryote type stuff. Uh, it can be hard to remember to go down that path. But uh, so I definitely sympathize with you there. Yeah. All right. Go and read 58 for us here. All right. 
while the blood is buffered primarily through the equilibrium between carbon dioxide and carbonic acid coupled with hemoglobin, the blood may also be buffered through other plasma proteins. Which of the following is true? A, the sh a, a shift in the pH can alter the tertiary and quaternary structure of the protein, allowing it to buffer the pH by precipitating out of plasma in response to pH shifts. B, the amino acid residues that make up the protein may act as Bronsted acids or bases, reducing shifts in pH. C, plasma-soluble proteins have enzymatic function, allowing them to sequester hydronium ions from the blood inside membrane-bound organelles in the podocytes lining the capillaries. A <laughs> lot of, lot of uh, terms in that one. Hmm. D, in the presence of altered pH, any plasma-soluble proteins will undergo either acid or base-catalyzed cleavage thus depleting the acid or base, causing the, dis causing the disruption to blood pH. Wow. So answer choice C just seems overly complicated. Like, I, like you're just trying to get too fancy with me. You're trying to confuse me. So just for that reason alone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that that's just a, a question writer trick. Um, right, the podocytes getting super specific. It's only <laughs> in the podocytes that this is happening. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know. Um, Bronsted acids. I don't remember what those are. Uh, answer choice A, a shift in the pH can alter tertiary quaternary structures of the proteins. Like, is that true? Like, I don't know. The, the structures of a protein seems like it's really important. If you're altering the structures of the proteins, like that seems like it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty significant which seems like it's a little too far but i i could be thinking about that wrong i like answer choice d because like we have all of these proteins and amino acids and which make up the proteins and um we can are they basic are they acidic and like it sounds like it's like yeah that's what it's for let's do it so i like d just for that <laughs> all right answer option d all right so this is a pretty uh you know, hefty question here. There are like a lot of terms. I like the fact that you eliminated C. Uh, definitely, this is like super specific. Um, and not only is it super specific, it's actually not true. Um, it's, it's factually false. Like this is not, um, this, is, this is not what occurs. Um, but let's go through these answer options uh, one by one now. Uh, we've eliminated C uh, based on the fact that it's overly complicated um, as well as the fact that it's just false. But a shift in the pH, uh, looking at answer option A, a shift in the pH can alter the tertiary or quaternary structure of the protein. Uh, okay, that, that sounds uh, right to me so far. Um, allowing it to buffer the pH by precipitating out of plasma. All right, so this, this part seems wrong to me. So mm -hmm. um, while changes in pH can denature proteins, um, the reason A is wrong is because it references precipitating out of the plasma. Um, that's not true. That's not what happens um, with alters uh, in pH. Although pH can denature uh, protein and change the tertiary and quaternary structure. So this first component is correct. The second component about precipitating out of the plasma. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want precipitates in my, in my blood no, vessels. No, you don't. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. That seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Answer option B, um, the amino acid residues that make up the protein may act as Bronsted acids or bases, reducing shifts in pH. Okay, so this seems uh, definitely reasonable to me because we know that amino acid residues, there are both basic and, ac or, uh, basic and acidic side chain groups, you know, 
um, aspartic acid or like arginine, histidine, things like that. Um, so we know that side chains could act as Bronsted acids or bases. So this seems, uh, you know, pretty reasonable, to, reasonable to me. Going to stick that one in my back pocket though. Um, we eliminated C for its overcomplication uh, and the fact that it's just not true. And then answer option D: In the presence of altered pH, any plasma-soluble proteins will undergo either acid or base catalyzed cleavage, thus depleting the acid or base, causing the disruption to blood pH. So, D. Um, oh, what what was your rationale for picking D again? Just I don't know. It just seemed like it, it worked. <laughs> My proteins, yeah, they have amino acids and they can do that kind of stuff. I see. Yeah. So D is actually also um, similar, similarly, similarly to C. Um, it's not as you know, like uh, term intensive or like super um, specific or wordy like C is. But D is also just factually incorrect. Like this is not um, a physiological phenomenon that we see. Um, if if uh, plasma soluble plasma soluble proteins um, would undergo acid or base catalyzed cleavage, like in the presence of altered pH, our our bodies would be in in uh, a, a hefty amount of trouble uh, pretty frequently because we have to, you know, we have to be able to uh, you know moderate those those changes in pH. And if any change in pH caused uh, a cleavage of our soluble proteins. <laughs> Yeah, we we wouldn't. I be, suppose uh, that was a little extreme. Okay, <laughs> but okay. So I'm returning to answer option B um, because it, it seemed it seemed good to me, um, and I didn't notice anything that was explicitly incorrect in there. Um, so the amino acid residues that make up the protein can act as acids or bases, reducing shifts in pH. Okay, yeah. So after um, you know, I wasn't like entirely sold on it at first. Like even though it was true, I sort of wanted to explore my options with C and D. Um, but definitely comfortable with B for the fact that I know that side chains can act as an acid or a base. All righty. Answer choice B. All right, 59. Which of the following correctly lists a pair of analogous structures and a pair of homologous structures? A, the wing of a bee and the wing of a bird the wing of a bird and the leg of a bird. <laughs> right. So this is like reading poetry here. Um, so analogous structures, homologous structures. So analogous to me is like similar in terms of function. Seems like that's what analogous structures potentially means to me. Homologous structures, again, homo meaning same, but that would be like wing and wing, but analogous seems like it's more appropriate there and so homologous to me potentially is something i don't know a little different anyway uh answer choice b the wing of a bee and the wing of a bird the arm of a human and the flipper of a walrus okay so that seems like homologous oh it's an arm and an arm a wing and a wing though those are the same i don't know. all right <laughs> see the arm of a human and the wing of a bat. Oh, okay. And then the wing of a bird and the wing of a bat. Okay. Maybe I like that. Uh, D, the wing of a bird and the wing of a bat. Or the wing of a bee and the wing of a bat. Wow. <laughs> All right. So let's just let's just try to break this down. Wings help things fly. So... 
wing of a bee, wing of a bird, wing of a bee, wing of a bird for B. And then D, wing of a bird, wing of a bat. Like, that doesn't seem to be different enough for me. And then wing of a bee, wing of a bat. Uh, those doesn't seem to be different enough for me to, like, make me guess analogous versus homologous. What's the difference between a wing of a bird and a wing of a bat versus a wing of a bee and a wing of a bat? Well, one is a mammal and one is a... Uh, insect but that's still wings so they still help things fly um although the wing of a bat is more of an arm oh man this is really hard um i i i i like i like c just because the wing of a bat similar to an arm with a thing and then wing and wing of a bird and a bat i i like c just for that um but this seemed like it's making a fool of myself much more than it needs to be. Yeah. So this, this question is very much so uh, like, just, do you know what an analogous structure and <laughs> you know what a homologous structure is? Um, you were pretty spot on with, you know, your sort of like uh, analysis or you know, sort of your uh, logic to try to get to what an analogous structure was. So analogous structures are, hmm, best way to phrase it, structures, they, in, they evolved independently, but they have similar functions. So just like you recognize like the wing of a bee and the wing of a bird, they evolved independently. They have different evolutionary histories, but those wings serve the same purpose. Flight. Mm. So for that reason, um, a lot of these in here are analogous uh, structures. So the wing of a bee and the wing of a bird, that's analogous. Um, and then that last answer option, the wing of a bird and the wing of a bat, um, that's also analogous. So D is wrong because both of those options are analogous. Yep. Just like you recognize, like they were too similar to sort of be com- uh, like a comparison. Yep. So I like that you threw out D just sort of based on, you know, your your reasoning between uh, the answers and that these seem too similar to be like analogous versus homologous. Mm-hmm. Um, homologous, on the other hand, are structures that have a similar evolutionary history, but might now have different functions. So whereas analogous uh, evolved differently and sort of the function is the same, uh, homologous is similar evolutionary history and now uh, possibly branching out into different functions. And so we're looking in the second component, uh, we're looking for something that evolved similarly, but might be serving different functions here. So uh, the wing of a bird and the leg of a bird. Um, no, those probably, why would the, those don't have like similar evolutionary histories. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not even necessarily the, str- the same uh, like structure, so to speak. Yep. Um, the arm of a human and the flipper of a walrus. All right, that sounds reasonable. These are both mammals. Um, even though they're serving different functions, they're the same like uh, an- anatomical like location. It doesn't um, serve a different function when I'm in the water. I'm swimming with my <laughs> arms and they're swimming with their flippers. All right. Well, if you have, uh, all right, I suppose so. If you're a strong <laughs> swimmer, I'm a, I, I struggle in the water. No, not actually. Um, all right. So the arm of a human and the flipper of a walrus, uh, it seems like it, it, this, this could be what we're looking for. It seems like, uh, you know, they evolved similarly. They're both, uh, mammals, but, uh, they, they certainly look a little different, uh, might serve generally different, uh, functions unless, uh, unless you're, I guess, I don't know, swimming in the, swimming in the ocean or something like that. <laughs> Um, the wing of a bird and the wing of a bat, uh, just like we talked about, this is analogous, 
Um, and then answer option D, the wing of a bee and the wing of a bat. That's also analogous. Um, so for those reasons, we're, we're eliminating C and D because that second answer or the second portion of that answer represents what an analogous structure is rather than homologous. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it, it's just between A and the second portion of A and B trying to rep, or realize which one or which of these have similar evolutionary histories, but possibly now different functions. Um, and so for that reason, I go with B because, uh, you know, even though they evolved separate or they evolved to have different functions now, again, unless you're swimming, I guess, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the arm of a human and the flipper of a walrus do have uh, a very similar evolutionary history because they're both mammals. Oh, wait, so I'm confused. I, I got this one right, didn't I? Uh, did you, did you pick B? I, I think so. I don't know. I I forget. Oh, maybe I pick C. I don't know. I like B though. Yeah. <sighs> maybe I pick C. Oh, well, I pick C. C and move on as, as the, uh, the, the story <laughs> the, goes. The old, the old adage says C and move on. Yes. Wow. All right. It's a brutal end to bio biochem, uh, <laughs> trying to think about analogous versus homologous, like one random piece of knowledge that we learned at some point in yeah. biology or evolutionary, whatever class mm-hmm. that was in. <sighs> yeah. It just goes to show they, they can really, especially on the discrete section, they can throw in uh, you know, a question that is just out of left field, right? Analogous and homologous structures. Uh, you got to be ready for everything. All right. There you have it. Again, BioBioChem discretes the finishing up BioBioChem for full length one, which remember you can get for free at blueprintmcat.com. Don't forget to go check out their new flashcards over at mcatflashcards.com. Free flashcards that you can get on Quizlet by signing up over at mcatflashcards.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time where we get an introduction to Paul. Very different mindset into the MCAT world with Paul next week in session 227 of the MCAT podcast. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast. This is MedEd Media.